Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to another Bengal, another episode of Bengals and Brews. I am Del Altman, joined by Derek Davis, the Orangero. Um, we are scheduled to be joined by Mo Egger. Derek said he just looked up the red score. The Reds were winning, I believe, three to nothing, which is very, very rare. So Mo might very be unusual. Mo <laughs> might be caught up in this, uh, you know, yeah. and, and be on here with us for a few minutes. Um, this might be a good here comes Mo now, but this might be a good time to uh, just mention real quick about our giveaways. And if anybody mm-hmm. wants to uh, leave a comment over in the chat about who they th- uh, want to predict for pick 31, um, that'll give them a chance to win either the jackpot Joey grand prize with the flag, the towel, the hat, and um, the beanie. If they pick the correct first pick for the Bengals, if more than one person has the correct pick. We're going to also send them a Bengals and Bruce t-shirt. So it doesn't hurt to give your prediction. If you win, you can win some free stuff. All right. So yep. now we are going to be joined by Mo Egger. Mo, how's, are you in shock over the Reds having a, a lead? They're winning the game right now. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I, we had mentioned something earlier. I said on Monday, I think, how, how funny would it be to, to speak to Mo on Saturday? And the Reds oh. still not win a game, and and here we are, two and thirteen record. It's almost like the Bengals of uh, twenty nineteen. Except there's no Joe Burrow in the offing for the Reds. You know, I mean, yeah. two and fourteen. The Bengals go two and fourteen. They get Joe Burrow. I'm not sure what uh, what the prize is for going two and fourteen if you're a baseball team, but hopefully they <laughs> avoid that fate. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I mean, there's still plenty of season left, but. <laughs> It's not off to a good start, and fans are. But I don't even want to talk baseball right right <laughs> off the bat. If that's all right with everybody else, get a little break on the yeah. baseball. Um, I want to do a little get to know Mo segment here, and most people probably know you pretty well. But um, I got a few questions for you. Like, uh, how long have you been doing radio now? Uh, I've worked in radio. Uh, for 25 years, I started uh, in 1997. I've been on the air since 2004. I've had my own show since 2007, and I've been in my current time slot since 2009. So uh, basically, my entire adult life, I've been in radio, and and uh, a good chunk of that, obviously, doing a show in the afternoon, which is um, a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. Um, now, <laughs> you were originally from New Jersey, so did you have a favorite team or teams growing up? Well, I so 
I, I grew up, I, I was born here. We moved to New Jersey when I was uh, seven. We moved back when I was in high school. So uh, my dad, my mom and dad are both from here. My dad was a diehard Reds and Bengals fan. My dad was also a huge UK fan. So he passed on the Reds and Bengals to me. He did not pass on the UK thing. I became a Bearcat fan because I wanted to spite him because UC played, <laughs> UC played Kentucky my, my, uh, uh, right before we moved back. And I didn't understand why, if we rooted for the Reds and Bengals, we didn't root for UC. They played Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Kentucky had Rick Pitino as their coach. I couldn't stand him, so I rooted for UC and uh, became a Bearcat fan in the process. So as a kid, my favorite teams were the Cincinnati teams. Now, we always went to some, my dad, the company my dad worked for. Uh, he was always able to get New York Mets tickets. So oh, I wow. had a soft spot in my heart for them growing up. Um, mm -hmm. But – I just the, the further I get, the further I'm removed from that, the, the less I care. So they made the World Series in 2015, and I thought, man, I'm going to root for the Mets, and I rooted for Kansas City because of Johnny Cueto. So I really can't say that that stuck. But I'm a huge Knicks fan to this day. But uh, I was 11 years old when the Bengals made the Super Bowl in 1988. We were still living in New Jersey, and where we lived was right in the epicenter of. Giants, Jets, Eagles. Everybody was a fan of one of those three teams. And the Giants had won the Super Bowl two years prior. The Eagles had Randall Cunningham, and the Jets were awful. But uh, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl when I was in the uh, in the sixth grade living in New Jersey. And so uh, when they lost to San Francisco, I was so despondent. I looked forward to uh, the next day at school so little that my mom let me stay home. Uh so that was kind of cool. But no, uh, just always a, a Cincinnati fan. So when we moved back, I was excited to uh, to get a chance to root for my teams up close because that wasn't the case from afar uh, during the years that I was in Jersey. Okay. And then uh, did you have any favorite broadcasters, radio personalities? If you kind of grew up a Reds fan, I mean, we had some really good ones. <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, I wanted to be in radio from the time I was a little kid. Um and so, you know, the sports part of it came later, quite frankly. Um, I, I was just, my mom and dad were, you know, again, I'm, I'm 44. So this is like the eighties. So there were, there was, there were a lot of car rides, a lot of car rides between here and Cincinnati. My parents split up. My dad moved to about an hour away. So a lot of car rides going back and forth. And so uh, when I was eight, I wanted a TV in my room. They gave me an alarm clock radio, which I mean, come on. It's like a huge middle finger, but, but I just, I just always thought like uh, growing up, like but the people that are on the radio sound like they're having a hell of a lot of fun. So that, that's something I wanted to do at a very early age. The, the sports part of it came later because my dad listened to a lot of sports talk radio. And so my favorite announcers growing up were not necessarily play by play guys, although certainly, you know, Marty Brenneman. And then as a, as a, as a, just a, a kid, you know, Marv Albert was the voice of the NBA and Vince Scully oh, yeah. was the voice of baseball and Pat Summerall was the voice of the NFL. Y you know, those guys are like the voices of my youth, but to me, it was always talk radio guys. And so the guys on 700 WLW were guys that I thought, man, I'd like to do that one day. So I'm talking Bob Trumpy and Chris Collinsworth and later on Andy Furman and then uh, I listened to a guy in Philadelphia by the name of Steve Fredericks. And, and this is how big of a dork I was as a kid. And I might be the last human being alive who ever did this because this is more of a 50s and 60s thing. I, I love talk radio. I love news radio. I loved AM radio. And I used to sort of scan the dial trying to find people late at night that I could listen to. And so I listened to uh, 
uh, KMOX radio and I listen to Mitch Album in Detroit, WJR. I listened to uh, WCAU in Philadelphia, WFA in New York. And so I, I was, there's a lot of like radio broadcasters that I, I always was fond of and a fan of. Um, but, you know, the, the Marty Brenneman thing, which Reds fan, which Reds fan doesn't revere him. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to get a chance to get to know him as, as a, you know, a broadcaster has been quite special because he's somebody that I did revere uh, growing yeah. up. I still, I still remember uh, when I was just a little kid going to the the Reds Hall of Fame, and you know they had that little area where you get to do the play by play thing, and I, you know, trying to be like Marty and stuff like that, and it was it was always fun to do that sure. kind of stuff. So. Sure. Yeah. No, we all did that. You know, I mean, we, my buddies and I would play ball, and I would be if we were if we were shooting hoops in my driveway, I would be Marv Albert, and if we were playing baseball in the backyard, I would be Vin Scully. And if we were playing football, I would be Pat Summerall. And the, the kid who's doing that, he's usually the worst kid on the court or the field. So that was me. <laughs> but that's 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 what I was that's what I was doing. And look at you now, though. You yeah, know. well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say favorite sport to play growing up, whether that was you know organized or just with buddies in the backyard and in the driveway. Organized baseball. Uh, organized to me, little league baseball is the absolute best. Uh, it's the sport that I love playing organized the most. Uh, but with my buddies, my uh, my mom put a a hoop in the driveway when I was in the seventh grade, summer between seventh and eighth mm-hmm. grade. And that's all I did. I mean, you know, clear through high school, really. That's all I did. And so I, I, I played basketball, uh, organized basketball, played high school basketball. But, you know, the difference between organized basketball and organized baseball, in organized basketball, there's a lot of running. When you're playing with your buddies, you don't have all that crap. So um, <laughs> my, my favorite sport to play with me and my, my butts, because you could play one-on-one, you could play two-on-two, you could play a game of 21, you could play yep. horse. Uh, such things didn't exist as much with uh, baseball, but we had growing up killer wiffle ball games, and oh, yeah. uh, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I I still I still you know I think at this time of year I think being outside shooting hoops in the driveway. So that would be yeah. from a disorganized from an unorganized standpoint that would be my answer. Yeah, that's yeah, probably was- mine as well. I played little league, and that was the, as far as my baseball career went. Because yeah. uh, once you got off the the tee and all that, I had a, a player I'll never forget it. He got being right in the eye, just instantly swollen up, and I'm up to bat next. Like I was like, I like I I stayed and played that game and finished that season, but I was done at that point. Like my, that point, I said I'm done. My best friend played when I was in the third grade, and he they put him at second base, and he took a one hopper, and it came mm-hmm. up and hit him in the chin, and he had blood coming out of his mouth, and he yeah. just walked off the field and just had this look on his face, like yeah, I'm not doing this. And we still, I mean, I, I still kind of keep in contact with him and I still joke like he has kids now. Like, all right, if they take a one hopper to the face, what are you going to do? He's like, tell them to do what the hell they want. So, yeah. Uh, you want to quit right now? Go yeah. Ahead. Fortunately, yeah, I, I, I avoided that fate. That's actually funny you say that because um, this past Wednesday, my son Declan had uh, had baseball practice. And my wife, my wife calls me because I'm at work and she said, Declan got hit by baseball. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, he took a line drive, six-year-old, no big deal kind of thing. And and she said, no, he, she said somebody threw it and, and hit him right in the eye. And I'm like, okay, so how does a guy – and she said, like, the guy threw – that was playing in the outfield went to throw the ball in, and he was playing, like, second base or something. Well, he was standing right beside him. Well, I guess when the kid went and threw, it just went – like, he turned around and it caught him right in the eye. But yep. it, that kind of stuff happens all the time, and it – it's been two weeks in a row now that 
my son's had an injury, but he's still playing. So yeah. that's half of it. You know, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hurt. You can't be afraid yep. of the ball. And now, uh, now was that yeah. the kid who was hitting dingers? Cause you were at practice the one day when we were recording. Yeah, no, you said there was a six year old hitting kid. over the fence home runs to me. I thought that was impressive. <laughs> no, I said into the grass, into the grass. Oh, so you've you got are. your ball diamond and then you've got your tall grass because nobody's mowed it yet. You know how it is with <laughs> six year olds and stuff like that. But yeah, he was hitting it into the grass on the fly and I'm just thinking, man, this guy, this kid at six years old, he's going, he's going places, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he might. So I assume baseball is that your favorite sport to cover. That's kind of my last get to know Mo question, or do you enjoy covering other sports just as much? Uh, baseball is great because there's a game almost every single day. So, mm -hmm. you know, f football's the, the, um, the enormity of every single game is awesome. But, you know, I will admit that one of my shortcomings as a host, and, and God knows I have many, is by the time we get to Wednesday and I have sucked everything I can out of the previous Sunday's game, and yet the, the next Sunday's game is still five days away, four days away, I'm not great at that. Uh, I'm not really great at anything. But baseball, there's a game every single day. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, it's, the, the strategies are relatively simple compared to football. Like I always love it when somebody complains about play calling from a football coach, like you have no idea what goes into calling a play in an NFL game. Whereas baseball, the strategies are pretty simple. It's not that hard to figure out. But uh, so from, from the standpoint of there being a game every single day when the season is going on, baseball is the best at the same time, every game in football really means something. And so baseball uh, it's, it's a little foolish to get worked up over one game. Whereas in, in the NFL and college football, especially one game can really pivot the entire season. So I, I don't really know that I, I've, I've always said, uh, that the big three for me, football, baseball, and basketball, they're sort of like my kids. There's times where you like one more than the other. Um, but I, I love them all equally. And, and I, I don't, I don't, that's not a cop-out answer. I just, I, I don't know, like this time of year, the reds are terrible. So I'm sort of like all in on the draft. Football is like the greatest thing ever. But if the Reds were 13 and two, I'd tell you right now, baseball is my favorite in March. Basketball is my favorite. But I mean, from the standpoint of what I do for a living, baseball is the easiest just because there's so much content. content. And it's it's yeah. a sport. It's a sport that more more people played growing up than football. It's just a little bit easier to talk about than than football. If uh, if you catch my drift. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, um, actually, kind of going into that. What are your favorite? phone calls to have during the season you know when you're getting callers in uh whether it's 1530 or, or 700 or what you know wherever what are the the best fans during a a losing red season or a losing Bengals season um well that's that's a little bit it's a little bit different now because the reds aren't very good and everybody's just talking about ownership and so we're not talking about the games as much yeah. um when the Bengals are losing people just default to some of the same old things, right? Like we, we stopped talking about actual football and instead it's uh, how much you hate Mike Brown, uh, why you're not going to go to games anymore. Uh, all this stuff that, that is, has, there's a place for it, but just gets very tired after a while. When the reds are bad, people just sort of move on to something else. They just pivot to something else. When the Bengals are bad, 
They don't pivot to something else. They pivot to some of the same things we've been talking about with the Bengals for years. So what made this past season so much fun professionally was we actually talked about football games. We actually talked about strategies and the, the next opponent. And, you know, when they're one and seven, we're not doing that. When they're one and seven, it's just complaining about why the coach is still here, the owner, is the team going to move? We're looking ahead of the draft seven months in advance. Uh, when the team is good, as obviously they were this year, there's a lot more focus on the games themselves. And what I love most about sports are the games. And so when a team wins, there, there tends to be a little bit more focus on the part that I love the most. With baseball, when the Reds are good, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. When they're bad, people just sort of ignore them. Um, and, I mean, I, I have a lot of experience in doing this because it's it's felt like for most years of my talk radio career, certainly most of the last 10, what we've done is by the time training camp gets here for the Bengals is the Reds don't even come up. And uh, to me, the, the best would be to have sort of a balance, at least in August and September, of of both teams because the Reds are good and the Bengals are just getting underway. Yeah, 2015 probably was then a really great year, right? Wasn't that when the Reds had uh, Latos and all those guys? And we really thought they were going to make a deep run. I could be wrong on the year, but. Uh, 2012 was was awesome. Yeah. Um, because the the Reds made it to well they they won the division they ran away with the division and um, the Bengals were coming off a playoff season and so there was a lot to talk about I mean the, and people were really excited about the Reds and you know excited about the direction the Bengals were going and that's that's really when it's fun is when they're they're both good and then you add to it you know UC football right now is uh, really really good but yeah that's the, the best part is when both teams are what what I what I think we do way too often and I understand why we do it is uh, we, we look at the failures of one. And so like right now, everybody's down on the reds. Well, then we drag the Bengals into the conversation and there've been times where the, the roles have been reversed. Um, I don't necessarily need to do that as a fan. If the reds are bad, I don't need to point out how good the Bengals are to highlight how bad the reds are. I can just point to the standings and the same for the Bengals. So, but ideally for me, the teams are all relevant. They all matter. They're always they always have legit championship aspirations, and unfortunately, it's been rare that we could say that about both teams simultaneously. Unfortunately, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into a little uh, Bengals draft talk, if you don't mind. Um, I know most people probably say top three needs, but I'll get yours first and see if they're similar. Well, yeah, I, you know, the, the word need is pretty subjective, like. And, and this is how I put it. Let's say the bank, let's say the draft got canceled. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the NFL said, you can't acquire players. Your, your roster today is what you need. I think we'd feel pretty good. Right. So there's sure. not a lot of needs, right? Like, so to me, a need is if the season started today, is this team screwed? There's nowhere there's they're really screwed. That's a really great place to be. If the season started today, you would not, you would not look at this team and go, Oh my God, this hole is going to, is going to kill them. Yeah. You might say, God, I wish there were a little bit better here. I wish they had a little bit more depth. Yeah. Rotational depth is right. kind of the big key that they need. So, yeah. so the word need to me is really subjective. To me, it's about wants. I, I, I want, I, I, I want a three technique that you could plug in and basically replace Larry Ogunjobi. Um, Curtis Brooks. <clears throat> Curtis Brooks. There you go. <laughs> I, I want maybe more than anything a a top end corner, top end ish corner, or at least a corner with top end potential that could play well enough immediately to turn the group of corners they have into a, a bona fide strength. And I would like somebody else to add to the left guard mix. 
Um, yeah. Uh, you know, just just to number one, create depth. Number two, give me a really good top end camp battle for the left guard spot. Those to me are the three things that I want the most. I don't think I would categorize any of those as needs. I think we all understand that they need quarter cornerback depth. But you're yeah. not like, oh, my God, if they go to battle with uh, Apple, Hilton, and Awuzier, they're screwed. Not at all. I think they yeah. certainly need some defensive tackle depth. But bringing back, um, uh, bringing back uh, uh, B.J. Hill was was vital. And in the, the moment it looked like they were going to lose Larry Ogunjobi, who I guess they could still get, you felt like, okay, they're going to be fine-ish here. And you know, certainly they've they've spent a lot of money on on the uh, on the offensive line. I guess the other thing would be, if you look at the safety position, there's a huge question about what they're going to be doing moving forward beyond 2022 with with Bates and Bell. But the, the three things I want mm-hmm. the most are the ability to turn the cornerback position into like just this position of strength because of how amazingly deep it is with a guy that has a lot of long term upside, a three technique, and one more guy to plug in the uh, the left guard back. Yeah, I think corner and the the three tech, but also uh, we were talking to Joe Goodberry last night, and he said he could see him taking another five tech because they played so many uh, five man fronts last year mm-hmm. along the defensive line during the season. So losing Larry O and BJ Hill both at times were like starters with how yeah. much they were playing that five guy defensive yeah. line. So it almost because I've been thinking throughout most of the process. Okay, best corner that's there. It's, it's solid corners, solid traits at least for corners, solid upside. Who knows how good they'll be once they get there. But um, I'm almost wondering if if D-tackle three-tech doesn't make more sense at 31 as we get closer because there's only a, two or three guys that really would fit that role. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think we can use uh, use what they've done recently as a guide. And in, in, in what they've done on defense has been uh, two years ago they needed linebackers. They took three. Uh, last mm-hmm. year they needed edge rusher. They took three. So chances are what they do at corner is not going to be limited to one guy. What they do at the, uh, on the defensive line is not going to be limited to one guy, especially if they accumulate more picks. Yeah. Um, that's probably, I mean, they're going to do that at one of those two positions, right? Not take a guy in the first round and then probably stack multiple picks rounds two through six at that certain position. But yeah, I mean, you know, to a degree, they, they haven't taken a defensive lineman in the first round in 21 years. And so it's it's probably time to really make that position a priority. At the same time, they've done a good job historically of getting guys uh, via other means that haven't necessarily mm-hmm. been the first round of the draft. But, I, I you know, I, I think if it's I think chances are it's going to be one of those one of those three positions and probably more defense in mm-hmm. the offensive line. But, yeah, I mean, they. They they need depth. They need some help. Look, you you obviously could always use uh, edge rush help. I don't know that I you know necessarily buy into the whole. We'll just let uh, Osai you know get healthy and he's the guy. I think that can be the case. That's a lot to rely on for a guy who's played zero real NFL snaps. But again, what do I want in the draft? I I want help up the middle. Give me one more corner. Give me some offensive line depth and a guy that could maybe start in the short term. Yeah, I think that's that's a good list of yeah. needs. Um, pretty similar to what we have. The only other one I would throw in would probably be tight end, just with Hayden Hurst on a one-year deal, sure. and Drew, Drew Sample also on the last year of his deal currently. So that that could, and that may be a third, fourth, fifth round pick, just somebody you can develop. I think it's a good draft for those middle rounds with tight ends. Yes, yeah, yeah. I had on uh, Dane Brugler from the Athletic, and I said, you know, what about this year's draft class at tight end because. Yeah, I mean, short in the short term, I, I think Hayden Hurst is going to be fine. Drew Sample has been 
a little bit of a letdown for people who thought he was going to turn into this great pass catching tight end. I think long term, you're looking for somebody who's a little bit more athletic than uh, CJ, uh, and and can maybe provide some help in the short term. Certainly some depth. But he he liked what they what 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 is available in this draft at that position. So that is uh, certainly something that we're going to be paying attention to moving forward. Do you think the mistake on the the sample pick was? And I'm here. I am talking. Like I love Drew Sample again, but you did. I, <laughs> um, do you think that they took a guy that they thought was a solid blocker and say, "Well, we can teach him how to catch," or do you think it was just kind of a, a, they needed a blocking tight end, so that's what they went with? I think that's it. I I think they said, "What do we need right now?" And and you know, re- remember they drafted Drew in 2019, right? So what is their team at that point? It's it's Joe Mixon and Andy Dalton. This is yeah. before Joe Burrow. It's before T. Higgins. So what's the identity of their team going to be? They probably re- really, in the short term at least, really like to be good at running the football. This is a very overly simplistic way of looking at things. So, all right, um, let's fortify our ability to run the ball by getting a really good blocking tight end. And, you know, they had sort of tried the whole Tyler Eifert thing, which for a variety of reasons really didn't work. And so I think they said – Here's a blocking tight end. He's gonna. We're gonna use him in this particular role, and if we can teach this dude to become a pass catcher, great. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that philosophy. I just wouldn't have done it in the second round. Like I don't think Drew Sample's been a bad player, but he hasn't played to the level of a second round guy. Like if Drew Sample was what he has been these last three years, but you took him in round four or five, I think you're like, all right, pretty good pick. Unfortunately, where they picked him relative to the production. Uh, makes it feel like a, a bad pick. And I don't, I don't, I don't, makes it feel like he's a bad player. Wasn't a great pick, but there's room for a guy who's good at this one particular thing. And I think Drew Sample can be a valuable piece to an offense that's looking for a blocking tight end. I don't know that he's a great fit here. And I certainly don't think you can look at their position group right now and go, God, moving forward, they're going to lock in Drew Sample. And he's suddenly going to, you know, help replace those 49 receptions that CJ Uzama had last year. That's a great point. He fit better for an offense that we used to run when he was yeah. drafted. Now that yeah. we have Joe Burrow, he may not be the best fit as a tight end. And that's why you see a more athletic guy like Hayden Hurst is what they kind of targeted in free agency. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of Uzama also. He was a fifth-round pick the year we took Dawson Knox as a third-round pick. Or not Dawson Knox. Derek, you got that name on my mind. Uh, <laughs> you know who I'm talking I'm about? Say, I, I wish think we he took Dawson the, Knox. He was on the Jets last year. He caught a touchdown pass. I can't uh, Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft. Croft. Yeah. So we took him, I think, third round and then doubled up and got CJ in that same draft, I'm pretty sure. Um, So CJ had that time to develop being a fifth round pick. And CJ Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily have a great first two or three years. Like, and then we've seen him develop and become what he is. And like, like you were saying, Mo, that kind of goes to your point with Drew Sample. If he would have been a fifth round pick, you know, everyone's going to be more patient. There's not all eyes on him, second round pick. But that was a weird year in general. That was the year Zach Taylor's coming from the Super Bowl as an assistant coach. They mm-hmm. were uh, couldn't find a D coordinator forever, it seemed like. And I don't think they, they got a really good draft process throughout that one. It seems like now the last couple of years they've really found their stride. Like, obviously, Duke Tobin's a big part of it. But mm-hmm. we rely on our coaching staff, and I think they've hit their stride. So I think that's good going forward for us drafting. What do you think? Well, that first year, the assistant coaches met each other for the first time at the combine. That's that's how long the process took, and that's not 
entirely their fault. They wanted Zach Taylor. Zach was on a team that made the Super Bowl, and so it pushed everything back. But I mean, yeah, that that year, uh, that year was doomed to to fail since well before it began for a lot of different reasons, none of which have anything to do with the current coach. But I mean, you know, I, I think at that point they were just sort of trying to cobble to a team together to give them the best possible chance at having a competitive team in 2019. The team itself, the franchise itself, had no real identity. Now you have one, right? Now yeah. we know what the identity of this team is. It's very, very obvious. Um, and so – but the identity of the Bengals in 2019 was still offensively you know, we have a quarterback who's okay, but he's not great. So how, how do we win with this guy with a first-time head coach? And it was, you know, we're going to try to run the ball a bunch. And the way you do that is you get a guy who could block for him, and that's what they thought Drew Sample was. Yeah. There we go. Um, I want to get a prediction before we get off here. We'll, a couple more minutes if you got it. Um, for pick 31, even if it's a couple players, you don't even necessarily have to just narrow it down to one, two or three players that you think could be our first selection. Or do you, uh, or do you think they'll trade back, and if so, with what team? Well, uh, that's a great question. I don't know that I'm equipped. I don't know that I'm equipped to answer that part of it. I think they would like to. I think that would yeah. be if if you said to do Tobin, what does your ideal draft night look like? He would say Thursday. We don't have a pick. I disagree yeah. with that because I value to me, you can get a first round player that fifth year that by the time that fifth year comes around, Joe Burrow is going to be getting his Jamar chase is going to be getting his maybe T Higgins is going to be getting his, there's going to be a premium on high end cheap talent. That fifth mm -hmm. year could be huge. So I am a little bit less dismissive of that fifth year than some to me, if you can get a really good player and, and a guy that has a really good chance of helping you in the short term, I don't dismiss the fifth year, which is what you get with the first rounder. So I think that's what they would like to do. It wouldn't be my first choice. It, it feels to me like the name that is mentioned most is Kyer Elam. I just get the sense for, for everybody who wants them to take Tyler Linderbaum, uh, which I, I wouldn't be opposed to. It, it just, <laughs> right on cue, one of the comments. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like they're lukewarm. Like, I just, you don't get the sense yeah. that they are as in love with him as a lot of people from the outside are. That doesn't mean they won't take him. And it doesn't mean he won't be a very good player for them or whoever uh, he he goes to. I, 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 I just, there are too many people who are close to the team who are not knocking down the narrative of the short arms, right? Mm -hmm. So that's telling to me again, it, it there's going to be a team and maybe it ends up being the Bengals. Who's like, we don't care about his reach. We, we care about the amount of experience that he picked up. We played about, we care about the level that he played at, at Iowa and we love what we saw on tape, but I just get the sense that a, the measurables aren't what they love and B that they would like to draft. If they're going to take a lineman in the first round, an interior lineman in the first round, I think they would like somebody who who's played guard. And and he hasn't. Um, again, that doesn't mean they're going to pick him, but it doesn't feel to me like there's a lot of folks who have sort of portrayed this as if he's there, you got to take him. Maybe they do. I don't think it's that cut and dry for them. Um, I, yeah. I, I think I think you look at their recent history. They haven't taken a corner in the first round of the draft since William Jackson III. It was six years ago. That's forever ago. And they've done a really good job of putting together a defensive backfield without using first round uh, picks. I I have a I have a sense that's going to end, and so the name most connected to them at that position is uh, Kyer Elam. So that's 
That's my it's it's my guess. It's certainly not going to surprise me if they do take Linderbaum, but uh, I just I don't get the sense that they are as all in on him as a lot of outsiders are. Yeah, I've had that same question and feeling as well, so I'm right there with you on that. It, a lot of people just I mean the talent, yeah. Like on my board, I have him 11th overall, mm-hmm. so yeah, the talent's great, but at the same point in time, he's center only, and. You know, Jackson Carmen, they're still high on him. You could even still bring in a Quentin Spain at left guard to compete. And right. I think mm-hmm. they like Ted Karras at center. So it just – all the signs to me doesn't point Linderbaum like some people want it to. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you said something there that I think is important because, you know, a lot of people have said, well, you just kick Karras to guard. Well, you can. I, I think they want him to play center. I mean, I, they, I yes, they've I, said I think, he's a center over I and think, over. Right. I think they go great. We have our choice between playing Ted Karras at center or Tyler Linderbaum. We want Ted Karras. Okay. Well, then Linderbaum hasn't played guard. It doesn't mean they can't teach him. I just don't get the sense they really want to do that. Now, I still think you can find a lineman to plug in and be a part of that derby to be the starting left guard, but. I think they drafted Ted Karras to play center. It's like, uh, you know, people aren't satisfied with that answer sometimes. It's like when the Reds had Michael Lorenzen and people would say, well, how come he's not an outfielder? And I would say, because he's a pitcher. The Reds think he's a pitcher. Well, you might not, but they do. Uh, And I think Ted Karras is sort of the same way. Yes, he could play guard. Maybe they will ultimately have him play some guard. I think they signed him and acquired him to play center. And I think they're very comfortable with him doing that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great answer. I feel very similar. Uh, Derek, anything yep. red you want to finish up with before we let you um, go here? Yeah. Real quick, right off the cuff, uh, baseball town or football town? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, when people talk about, well, Cincinnati's a baseball town, I don't know what that means. I, I, I don't know what ba- right now it's a football town because the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl and the biggest star in town is the, the quarterback of the team. Uh, and, and right now it feels like that franchise could do no wrong. So clearly right now it is a it is a football town. I, I also think the fact that the NFL is so huge, the fact that the NFL, there's so many more people gambling on it, playing fantasy football, all that sort of stuff, that I, I just, football is king. Football is king in this country, and Cincinnati is a part of this country. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think football is king. You add the, the dimension of the Bengals – being good last year and going to the Super Bowl, I think it's clearly a football town. But if the Reds ever do get good again, and you're being fair if you think they never will, if the Reds ever do get good again, the the, the people will be passionate about it and the ballpark can be full and, you know, it'd be awesome. But it just – right now, I mean, it's – you heard if, if you watched or went to opening day, uh, you heard Who Day ringing all throughout Great American Ballpark. That's pretty damn telling. Yeah. 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 And, I uh, agree. I the the one other thing I had on on the baseball situation was uh, who do you think has more fans currently at the stadium, the Reds or the Dayton Dragons? Because it looks like the Dayton <laughs> Dragons, had, it looks like they had a pretty good uh, pretty good good crowd up there. Uh, Dayton Dragons draw really well. They had a, a waiting list just to buy single game tickets for for years and years and years. And so I think it's going to be interesting. The Reds have had good weather and the Cardinals in this weekend, and they still haven't drawn more than twenty eight thousand. Uh, the weather's not going to be as great. The Padres are here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think those crowds are going to be uh, quite low and perhaps Dayton Dragons-esque. 
Yeah. All right. Well, Mo, uh, tell it. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows, but go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you. If you got any kind of draft specials coming up this week or anything else you want to plug. Uh, we have a show every day, ESPN 1530 from three to six. We are doing our draft show. It's, it's a little bit all over the place. Here you go. Write this down. There'll be a quiz later. I'm at uh, Longnecks and Wilder three to six on Thursday. And then I'm at Frickers with Tony Pike. Uh, as part of the 700 WLW draft show, Tony and I are on together from 8 to 10. The draft show goes from 6 to 1 a.m. And then uh, Tony and I are at Twin Peaks in Westchester for a draft edition of the Ooh. Tony and Mo football show <laughs> on Friday at 3 o'clock. Busy man. Awesome. I Busy love man. It. All, All right. right. And Thank you for your time. Oh, you got it, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Yep. See you guys. Yep. See ya. Um, real quick for, for you, Dale. I – I was going to run this by Mo, but I know we was kind of uh, cutting on. Yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to cut into his time anymore. But um, I I just checked the the bet online odds real quick, and, and this was going into the um, talking about the Bengals winning the the going to the Super Bowl last year, and I want to know why you why do you think right now the Bengals are currently the number five seed on odds to win the AFC championship right now. They got the Buffalo bills first, Kansas city, the Chargers third, the Broncos, and then the Bengals. Well, I think until you, until you go and you get back there and you do it multiple years in a row, you're always going to be doubted. But part yeah. of it also is the Super Bowl hangover has been a real thing. The team that mm -hmm. loses in the Super Bowl, a lot of years comes out and you know, they have a down year or two and then bounce back or whatever. But I'd say it's yeah. a combination of those things. And like, the Bengals, everyone's just used to them being bad for so long. Again, you know, first pick, we had the fifth pick. Uh, it's right. going to take more than one year for, for those Vegas odds to rise up. But I see no reason. Like Mo said, we got a team that we're just filling in depth pieces for the most part in this draft. Yeah. So I could see us. And we have Joe Burrow. When you have Joe Burrow, you're always going to have a chance to go make a Super Bowl yep. run. Everyone's and, and maybe – Go I was going to say, maybe maybe that's why Kansas City is still up there. But, you know, I'm looking at Kansas City, and, and all I'm seeing are, are pieces lost, not yeah. pieces gained, really. And, yes, they have Patrick Mahomes, but other than that, Travis Kelsey, I'll give him that. Um, but why, why would they be, still be the number two pick? I mean, Buffalo Bills are plus 425, and Kansas City is plus 590. And then you've got plus 750 for the Chargers, plus 975 for the Broncos, and plus 1,000 for the Bengals. So if you're a betting man and you want to bet on the Bengals, get in there like swimwear. But uh, And, and yeah, I, I honestly, just, like being behind the Broncos, like I'm trying to – I was trying to let, you know, each yeah. of those – Bills probably would be my favorite. Kansas City, mm -hmm. I guess, is just they've proven they're always there. They're always playing for AFC Championship. They've been, you know, they've done it a few years now. So I get why yeah. you keep them up there even though they did lose Tyreek Kill. And then you said the Chargers, who you know remade their defense. They brought in Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, like yeah. Uh, so that's a very real. I can I understand why they're up there now. Having them ahead mm -hmm. of us, you can make that argument that that doesn't make any sense. You know, right. I would probably say the Bengals should be third, and then probably San Diego fourth, and then Denver to me should be fit like fifth at the earliest. Like yeah, they brought in Russell Wilson, but. Okay. I, in in all honesty, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but looking at things, I could see the Bengals as high as number two because they beat the Chiefs for sure. twice. For sure. Year, you know, and I do like the Chargers. I love I love what they've done on defense. I love Justin Herbert. 
I'm not a Justin Herbert truther is like all these guys saying he's better than Burrow, obviously. But um, and then the Denver Bron- Broncos, they brought in what Russell Wilson to a team that literally was a quarterback away. So I mean, I guess I could see it, but I'm just looking at the uh, plus five ninety versus plus one thousand. I just don't see that that far of a of a gap in my no, opinion. No. No, I mean go 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 put some money down on the Bengals. It worked out for a lot of people last year. It worked out very well for me last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not big on you know, I just haven't gambled a lot. Not that I have anything against it. Um yeah. I just I haven't, but yeah. I wish I would have. I wish I would have put yeah. some money down on the <laughs> Bengals. Like, I know. Sure. I told I told Sarah, because um, she went to Vegas last year in August and I told her I said Please, for the love of God, put a hundred dollars down for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl for me. And she didn't do it. I I, oh, I told her. I said, "Do you yeah. realize?" I said because she's going this this uh, August as well for her uh, paparazzi thing. But um, I told her. I said, "Do you realize how much money you could have to play with if you would have just yeah. made that bet?" You're gonna have like a you're gonna have a whole sheet written out of bets for her to make <laughs> yeah. when she goes back to Vegas. I will. Too. I will. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and end this episode. I thought Mo was awesome. I mean, yeah, great really answers. Like, yeah, and I'm so glad he joined us because I mean, good lord, that man is so busy. <laughs> All his radio appearances, <laughs> and then this coming weekend he's gonna be so busy. So that was awesome that he gave you know little old us some some time here. So we really appreciate that, Mo. Um, anything yeah. you want to help sign off, Derek? Yeah, real quick, um, we are we are going to or we're giving away that um, that Bengals and Brews T-shirt. I'll I'll make it easy on everybody. I'll just make a post about it and um, and we'll just do a winner on uh, on Saturday's show for for the um, all the the gear for the thirty first pick overall. What everybody decides to pick on that, and then we'll give away that T-shirt as well. But um, yeah, just before we get off next Saturday, we're going to have the draft recap show with uh, I think Anthony Kazenda. Um, Maybe even live. Uh, Anthony said he may even be live yep. covering the draft from Vegas, so that from could be Vegas, really cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I know um, a couple other people as well said they might hop on, so that should be a lot of fun. Yep. For sure. And who day Hoss draft in four days. I'm pumped, man. I yep. love the draft. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. Um, who day? Who day? <laughs>